Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. Nobody cares! You know, it's not easy being an enormously famous rock star. Uh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't know myself, but I assume it's probably difficult. Because I'll tell you, even though my career was not huge, I still get lots of emails and messages. And probably the question I'm asked the most is, Hey, Monty, how you doing? Well, that's a dumb question. Yeah, you'd think it would probably be something more like, Hey, are Galactic Cowboys going to do another album? Or, how do you get your bass tone? Or, are the phone conversations at the end of that song, Where Are You Now, uh, were those real? Or, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? No, instead, I generally get the question, how's it going? And so I thought I'd just take the first part of today's episode and uh, tell you what I've been up to. Oh boy! How about that? So back in April, I decided to take a drive to Colorado to see my girlfriend Alex. And I only planned on being there for maybe a week, two weeks at the most. But I ended up staying there for the entire month. And we just had a great time. Uh, One day she took me to Boulder and that was awesome. I just saw how beautiful everything was. And I had also taken all my art supplies with me so I was still able to go ahead and work. But at the end of the month I decided maybe I ought to go back home for a while. Well Alex had a few days off and so she said why don't I just ride back with you. And I said, well, great. So she rode back with me, but uh, when I got home, it just didn't feel like home anymore. And I had already planned on maybe moving in a month or two, but when I got back to that bachelor pad, I just said, why? Why wait? And I asked Alex what she thought about it, and she said, let's do it. And so we literally the next day went and got a U-Haul. And we spent the next two days packing it, and uh, you may ask, well, how much crap does one guy have? Well, as it turns out, a lot. And by the time I got all of my amps and cabinets and guitars and basses and my paintings and all of my action figures loaded in there, well, that truck was full. And we took off, and ten hours later, I was a resident of the great state of Colorado. And I gotta tell you, I am loving it. The mountains are beautiful, the people are friendly, I'm doing my artwork full time now, and I'm with my best friend, Alex. And this is the happiest I've been in a long, long time. I went through a really tough time about a year ago where I kinda lost the will to live, but I got through it and I'm much happier now, and I'm learning to appreciate some of the simpler things in life. For instance, this morning Alex and I took a drive and we went out to this lake and it was surrounded by mountains and it just felt so good. And so I'm doing well now and it was good for me to get away from Kansas City. I lived there for over 20 years but you know sometimes change is good. And even though I'll miss my friends there, uh, this was a good move for me and I'm really excited about it. 
But I know what every single person out there is thinking right now. You're thinking, but Monty, what about the Kansas City Royals, your favorite baseball team? What about the Kansas City Chiefs, your favorite football team? You're not going to be able to watch them anymore. What are you going to do? Wouldn't you like to hear the answer? Well, true. I'm not going to get to actually go to their games in Kansas City anymore. But Alex and I did go to one last game before we left, and that was fun. But I figured out a way that I can still watch their games on my computer and on my TV, and it's going to be all good. In fact, I signed up for the MLB app, and I haven't missed a Royals game since I left. And for those of you wondering if I'm going to turn into a Denver Broncos fan this winter when the football starts, no freaking way. However, I have decided that I am going to be an Avalanche fan, I'm going to be a Denver Nuggets fan, and we've already got tickets to a Colorado Rockies game, so I'm going to root for them unless they play the Royals. And so I'm sure you are all wondering about that. Well, that's the deal. Please, can we be done with that? So I've been watching a lot of baseball, but uh, I've also been watching a lot of other stuff. So how about I do a little segment of What's on TV? So just so you know, I can't wait until they start having concerts and festivals again. But in the meantime, there's just not much to do, so I end up staying home and either working or watching TV. And so when I got to Colorado, I signed up for YouTube TV, and I get about 85 channels. And you'd think that'd be enough, right? Well, yeah. Well, no, because we also have HBO, Showtime, Roku, Hulu, Netflix, Pluto, Prime Video, and something called Tubi. Because after all, you can't have too many options. And so I've basically just gone crazy and I'm catching up on a lot of shows and movies and documentaries that I hadn't seen yet. For instance, I finally got to see the documentary about Chris Holmes called Mean Man. And I'm sure most of you know who I'm talking about. It's Chris Holmes, former guitar player for Wasp. And I'll admit I was never a big fan of Wasp, but uh, this movie was really good. Of course, we all remember that scene from Metal Years where he's laying in the pool drinking vodka. And you're thinking, this guy's a total train wreck. He's going to be dead very soon. But no, it turns out he's still alive and he's got a band called Mean Man. And he's living in France and the cameras follow him around while he's on tour in Europe. And this documentary reminded me a little bit of the Anvil movie. There are parts of it that are kind of sad. Uh, you know, he'll be playing clubs where there's hardly anybody in the club. And believe me, I've been there. I know that feeling. But Chris Holmes didn't seem to come off totally delusional in this film. I think he realizes he's not going to be huge and he's just going to try and have some fun. And that's kind of what this movie was. It was fun. I really enjoyed it, and Chris Holmes comes off very likable. So I would recommend it. Uh, check it out. I think it's on Prime Video. You're sure about that? Now, obviously, I like movies and documentaries about metal and heavy metal bands. But the truth is, I will watch just about anything if it's music-related. And so don't be surprised when I tell you that right after watching the Chris Holmes movie, I watched a documentary about the Bee Gees. <laughs> I'm shocked! Now, what did I learn about the Bee Gees? 
Well, besides being masters of vocal harmonies and Barry Gibb being an amazing hit songwriter, they actually went through a whole lot. And for the most part, I found this documentary really interesting. And a lot of it was really nostalgic for me, especially the parts where they talked about Saturday Night Fever and, uh, you know, the whole disco era. Because I was about 18 or 19 when all that was going on, and I hated disco. And they talked in this movie about how uh, there was a backlash against the Bee Gees when everybody decided that disco sucked. And there was one guy in this documentary that they interviewed and he said the reason there was a backlash against disco was because America was prejudiced, which I found to be very ridiculous. Say what? Because first of all, the Bee Gees were white and they were probably the biggest group in the whole disco movement. But for me, the reason I hated disco had nothing to do with the color of somebody's skin or race. It had to do with the fact that uh, that's all you could hear on the radio. I mean, back in the late 70s, I was into Ted Nugent and Aerosmith and all this hard rock. And all of a sudden, the stations that were playing that stuff were suddenly playing disco. And the TV shows like Midnight Special were now hosted by Donna Summer or Andy Gibb. And I just got pissed off and sick of it. However, I will admit that I did go see Saturday Night Fever back then, and I did like it. And over the years, I've actually really liked a lot of Bee Gees music, so uh, for this uh, documentary, I will give it a thumbs up. What drug are you smoking? Now, the next documentary was about a band that I actually do like. It was about Oasis, and uh, I believe the name of the documentary was uh, Supersonic. And I think it was on Showtime, if I remember correctly. I just know it was about two hours long, and it was pretty good. I kind of enjoyed it. The Gallagher brothers are definitely a couple of arrogant a-holes, and they will tell you that they are the greatest band in the world. But if you're going to have a band and get out there and compete with the world, why not believe in yourself? And by the end of this movie, I had to say, you know, Noel Gallagher, great songwriter. Maybe I don't really want to know How you got in girls Cause I just want to fly Lately Did you ever feel the pain In the morning rain As it soaks you to the bone or Maybe I just want to fly Want to live but don't want to die Maybe I just want to breathe Lately, did you ever 
I will never forget the first time I heard this song. I was in my car and I didn't know who this song was by, but when I got to where I was going, I just stopped and kept listening. And at the end of the song, they said it was Oasis, and so I went and bought the album. Because this song is amazing. And when they put out a second album, I bought that. And when they put out a third album, I also bought that. So I guess that would make me an Oasis fan. Even though as people, uh, I'm pretty sure they're assholes. They are god-awful! Allow me now to continue telling you what's on TV. And I watched yet another documentary, this one about the Go-Go's. And the two questions are, did I like this documentary and did I ever like the Go-Go's? And the answer to both is yes. I liked this movie quite a bit. It kept my interest for the entire time. And yes, I kind of liked the Go-Go's back in the 80s. I thought they had some very catchy tunes. Of course, MTV helped them out a lot, and yes, they were really cute. But I'll give them their due. They were a girl band, but they could actually play a little bit. And they had a fairly nice career, and we'll always remember them. However, this movie ends with several people raising the question, why aren't they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And I guess whoever the idiots are who vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame must have seen this documentary. Because I guess they said, yeah, why aren't they in there? Uh, we better vote them in. And they did. Before Iron Maiden. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to be like everyone else and waste a bunch of time talking about how stupid the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. But when they continue to put in rappers like LL Cool J and Jay-Z, well, you know, it's just obvious. It's a joke. And so I'm not going to get upset that they put in the Go-Go's or the Foo Fighters before Iron Maiden. Because when shit like that happens, it just shows that it truly means nothing. So good for the Go-Go's. What'd they have, like two albums that were kind of decent? So I say yes, they deserve it, they belong. Of course, I'm also a guy who thinks that Mark the Bird Fidrich from the Detroit Tigers should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, because he had that one season back in the 70s when he was really good. Outside of that, he kind of sucked, but hey. The Go-Go's had Our Lips Are Sealed, and I like that song. And apparently, that's enough. But in all seriousness, it actually is a pretty good documentary. And like all movies or documentaries about musicians, there's that part where, oh yes, they were addicted to drugs. 
and then they finally figure it out that, oh, this isn't good for me, so they clean themselves up, and now they're okay. And I'm not sure why that's such a common thread in a lot of bands, but uh, I applaud anybody that chooses sobriety. Drug and alcohol abuse not only ruins the person who's doing it, but it also ruins the lives of people around them. And in the case of the Go-Go's, they got off drugs, they didn't die, and Belinda Carlisle turned into kind of a hot chick. Yeah. So the movie has kind of a happy ending. It was a joy to watch. Now besides documentaries, my favorite stuff to watch on TV is comedy. And if you like to laugh, I've got a couple of suggestions for you. The first one is a guy on YouTube named Ed Bassmaster. My buddy Jeff Moore turned me on to this, and now Alex and I watch it every night. It's a comedian that goes out into public with a hidden camera, and he pranks people. And I know that probably sounds stupid, or like, yeah, I've seen that before, but trust me, it's funny as hell. Just go to YouTube and type in Ed Bassmaster. And if you watch it and you don't like it, well, all I can say is, <laughs> Whatever that means. The other thing I would suggest is anything Tenacious D. The other night I watched The Pick of Destiny with Tenacious D and it was great. And by great, I mean funny. I still say that Jack Black should have gotten an Oscar for the work he did in School of Rock. And The Mighty D also had a series on HBO that's worth checking out. But if you want to laugh for about an hour and a half and also learn a lot, uh, check out The Pick of Destiny. And you may ask, well, what am I going to learn from watching that movie? Well, you're going to learn that metal never dies. You can't kill the metal. Metal will live on. Punk Rock tried to kill the metal. But they failed, as they were smacked to the ground. New Wave tried to kill the metal. But they failed, as they were stricken down to the ground. Grunge tried to kill the metal. <laughs> they failed, as they were thrown to the ground. I think a lot of people probably look at Tenacious D as just kind of a joke band. But if you listen to some of their stuff, it's actually pretty good and pretty genius. And I actually think that Kyle is a really good guitar player. Some of the acoustic stuff that he does is uh, really kind of impressive. And I really want to see them live someday. I hope they go on tour again.
So that's some of the stuff I've been watching on TV. And yes, I've kind of had to go the Netflix, HBO route because uh, regular TV is just so bad. Like the other night I saw an ad for The Voice. It was the finale. And I just thought I could not watch that show if you made me. You would literally have to pay me now to watch American Idol. And thank God I no longer have to sit through another hideous episode of The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. I mean, I love it when they have a horrible show to begin with, but then they say, hey, let's do a spinoff of that piece of shit. The whole thing stinks. But let's face it, TV has been bad for a long time, even back when I was a kid. Because if you're around my age or close to my age, you gotta ask yourself, did we really sit there and watch the Beverly Hillbillies or Green Acres? Because if you think about it, they were kind of the same show, only in reverse. Like Green Acres, you had rich people who decided they were gonna go live like poor people. Whereas with Beverly Hillbillies, you had poor people who got rich, who decided to move to a rich neighborhood, but still live like they were poor. Nothing less than hilarious. Of course, the majority of most sitcoms has always been around some kind of family situation. However, for some reason, Hollywood hasn't always been too keen on its family shows having two parents. For instance, The Partridge Family. You had mom with all these kids, but no dad. And then there was the courtship of Eddie's father where you had the little kid with his dad, but no mom. But then I guess that one parent was just one too many. And he ended up with shows like Family Affair, Different Strokes, and then later iCarly, where there was no parents at all. You just sent them to stay with their uncle Bill who, yes, once again was single, but he did have a butler. Kind of like on My Three Sons, where you had Uncle Charlie, because there was no mom. So I have no idea where they come up with these show ideas, but I would have loved to have been in the meeting when they pitched the idea for Sanford and Son. I can see it now. They're sitting in this boardroom and this guy says, uh, I've got this idea for a show with this old black guy. And it's the 70s, so they're like, okay, well, that's edgy. Well, is he married? And they're like, oh, hell no. He lives with his son, Lamont. And they're like, okay, well, uh, where does he live? And they're like, uh, in a junkyard. And the network brass says, that is it. Go with it. Make that show. And it comes on TV, and because we're in high school and we only have three channels at the time, we sit there and watch it. Did you know that when Monty was a child, everyone thought he was retarded? All right, let's move on now to some emails and top tens. And the first one is a message I got from Paul Quillen. What does Paul say? Well, apparently Paul Quillen has not been chillin'. Because Paul tells me that he's been hitting the gym, dropping a few pounds, and getting healthy. And he says he's been sweating his ass off to the oldies, like uh, Galactic Cowboys. Huh? <clears throat> yeah, well, anyway, Paul says also making his workout list are the Black Dahlia Murders, Jellyfish, Rammstein, Slipknot, Motionless in White, Self, The Deftones, Rings of Saturn, God Lives Underwater, and Skinny Puppy. 
And in case you weren't counting, that was 10, which qualifies as a top 10. So thank you, Paul. I mean, how do you how do you listen to that stuff? All right, I got another email here from Ken Vanderstelt. And Ken says, hey, Monty, how you doing? Well, Ken, I've kind of already covered that. However, Ken also has a top 10 list. He says, this is my top 10 list of songs I'd like to hear covered by Galactic Cowboys. And so here we go at number 10, my brain is hanging upside down by the Ramones. Yeah, you know, I would love to do a Ramones song. I love the Ramones, and my cousin Dee Dee was in that band. So, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Number nine, Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. Yeah, you know, I used to play uh, that song in a cover band uh, back in the 80s. We were called The Ride, and I played lead guitar, and uh, yeah, we jammed some Loverboy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't say we were good. Uh, Anyway, uh, number eight, Metal by Gary Newman. Uh, Not sure I know that one, but I do know this next one. Number seven is Love is Like a Rock by Donny Iris. Yeah, you know, I actually love Donny Iris. And I really like Love is Like a Rock, but if Galactic Cowboys were going to cover a Donny Iris song, uh, how about Alia? A great song with just a screaming guitar solo. Yeah, I could see us doing that. Uh, Let's see, but number six on Ken's list is Who Are You by The Who. Number five is Does Your Mother Know by ABBA. Number four is Domo Arigato Mr. Roboto by Styx. And number three is Magnum Opus by Kansas. Yeah, I don't know how we'd cover the keyboards on that song, but uh, nonetheless, an amazing song. Number two is We Die Young by Alice in Chains. And at number one on Ken's list of songs that Galactic Cowboys should cover, Words by Missing Persons. Well, good job, Ken. And yes, uh, Words by Missing Persons, very cool song. And Missing Persons was actually a really great band. Their original guitar player, his name was something like Warren Cuckarulo or something like that. He actually played in Zappa and then he went on to Duran Duran. And his guitar parts on that song are just awesome. And of course, Missing Persons singer was uh, Dale Bazio, who was hot. 
and the drummer was Terry Bazio, one of the greatest drummers of all time and one of my favorite drummers of all time. Got a question now from Coon in Canada. He says, Hey, Monty, when are you going to a big event, say a Rockies game? Are there any specifics before you go, like proof of vaccine, proof of negative COVID test, or anything else? Is there any limit on how many folks can go inside? I'm just curious. Well, thanks for the question, Coon. Uh, yeah, we have tickets to a Rockies game uh, coming up pretty soon. And I don't really know what the specifics are. As far as I know, you don't have to have proof of vaccination or anything like that. And it's a good thing because I am not vaccinated and I have no plans of getting vaccinated. At least not right now. Fortunately, they're lifting a lot of the restrictions here in Colorado. And they are finally putting an end to uh, making everyone wear a stupid piece of cloth over their faces. I'm one of those people who believes that the whole mask thing has been uh, about control rather than anything to do with a virus. And so I am very happy that I can once again walk into a store without wearing one. I found those things to be unnecessary and incredibly annoying. I can't tell you how many times I was on my way to a store and I thought, oh no, my mask, and I had to go all the way back to my apartment. Or I got clear up to the entrance of a store and realized I didn't have it with me and had to go back to my car. And it pissed me off every time. But now I can just walk in. Uh, no one asks me if I've uh, been vaccinated or anything. So I just go on in. And I walk over and I put my hands all over the avocados where everyone else's hands have been. Uh, just like I have the last year. Listen to crazy man. But I will tell you, it does feel a little weird. I got so conditioned to going in with a disguise that now seeing uh, people's faces is kind of strange. But I love it returning somewhat to normal. And I say somewhat normal because, uh, you know, still half the store uh, people are still wearing the masks. Even though they don't have to, they've still got them on. And uh, when I see that, I go, oh, okay, uh, there's somebody that's still watching CNN. And you know something? Uh, you know, if you want to still wear a mask, you go right ahead. I don't care. But as for me, I have no plans on wearing a mask while I'm outside at a baseball game. And it doesn't matter to me if there's 30 people there or there's 30,000. I will still go and have a good time either way. But I'm starting to see that they're letting people go to arenas and ballparks all around the U.S. now. And I think that's awesome. In fact, I've seen some stadiums where it looks like it's just packed out, and shockingly, there's been no reports of major outbreaks. Imagine that! 
Of course, the NBA still has to act like all of their players are still in grave danger. Even though they've been breathing all over each other for the last year, when they do an interview after the game, the announcer has to wear a mask and stand about 75 feet away. And I'll be honest, the announcers are one of the reasons why I can't hardly watch an NBA game on TV anymore. I mean, really, the only reason why I even watch basketball anymore is just to root against that douchebag LeBron James. I don't really care who wins anymore as long as it's not him. And for me to have to sit there and be preached to about Black Lives Matter and racial injustice, well, I find it as unbearable as I do having to hear Doris Burke explain to me why somebody took a three-pointer. You're a sexist. I mean, come on, it's men's basketball. Do we really need a woman explaining it to us? Sexist! All right, got yet another question from Matt in St. Louis who says, Hey, Monty, what's new? Well, good question, Matt. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a new album from Monster Magnet. It's called A Better Dystopia. And Monster Magnet has been around for a while. In fact, uh, Galactic Cowboys played one show with them back in the 90s. I don't even remember where it was at, maybe Philadelphia or somewhere like that, but it was a Sunday night and hardly anybody was in the club. And we opened for them, and afterwards I went out and watched their whole set. And I found their lead singer to be absolutely mesmerizing. And I believe he's the one that writes all their songs and everything, I can't be sure, but I think he's the main guy. But the music was very hypnotic, and uh, it was almost like I was watching somebody on an acid trip. And after the show, he was nowhere to be found, but the guys in his band were just hanging out by the bar, and I went up to him and I said, man, that was amazing. And they were just kind of like, yeah, thanks. But I never forgot how good they were, and then uh, I went and tried to check out some of their music, some of their albums, and I never found it to be that great. It was just kind of stoner rock, and I just really was never into it that much. But then the other night, I ran onto a concert of theirs on YouTube, and so I decided to check some of it out. And once again, I just found myself sitting there through the entire thing, and I watched the whole one-hour concert, and uh, I just was really impressed. The singer is just one of those guys that sucks you in, and uh, you can't look away. And I don't know if he's in league with Satan or if they just do a lot of drugs or what it is, but uh, the music will give you a beat down. And so it was the second time I'd seen a concert of him where I was blown away, but then I go check out this new album. And once again, I just don't get it. It's not terrible, and you know, if you're a stoner or something, you might dig it a lot. For me, it's just kind of so-so, but uh, hey, you know, uh, check it out.
something else that's new is a new album from The Offspring. And before I tell you what I think of it, I should probably tell you why I should care about a new album from The Offspring at all. And the reason is, is yes, they may be a very annoying pop-punk band, but they are also, in my humble opinion, absolute geniuses at coming up with hooks. Take, for instance, their song, Come Out and Play. It was a hit song, and you may not like it, but every single part of that song was a hook. You gotta keep them separated. That riff is a hook. That riff on top of that riff is another hook. That little guitar part there is a hook. That melody line is a hook. I don't even know what he's saying through most of this song, but just the way he sings it, it's catchy. A hook. Another hook. Very catchy hook-filled chorus. Doing any time. Great hook. Even that stop with the drum snare hit is a hook. So that's what I'm talking about. You may not like them, I'm not even sure I do. But you gotta admit, they know how to write catchy songs. And so I had to check out their new album. It's called Let the Bad Times Roll. And once again, they write some catchy tunes. We're gonna CD 3 out of 5 Bloody Metal Skulls. To me, there's nothing really that great on here, but there are a couple of pretty good punk pop songs. So if you're into that kind of thing, you might like songs like this one.
Okay, I'm going to do a segment of weird cover tunes here in a minute, but first I've got a couple of things to tell you. First of all, like I told you earlier in the show, I'm doing my art full-time now, so please check out my website, monicalvinart.com. I've got a lot of paintings on there for sale, and if you need a cool gift for somebody, uh, paintings make great gifts. And I also do commissions, so if there's somebody you want me to paint, I don't care how obscure it is, it could be the drummer for Bang Tango, and I can do it. Just drop me a message and I can give you an estimate. And I get a lot of people who say, what do you charge to do a painting? And well, it depends. It depends on what it is, how long I think it's gonna take me to do it, and I'm gonna wanna know what size you want. So just, uh, you know, message me and we'll talk about it. And while I'm on the subject, let me thank some of those people who have commissioned me, like Gary in Baltimore, Danielle Holland, Lorianne Smith, Thomas Nichols, and Chad in Maiden, North Carolina. Yeah, how cool is that? I wish I could tell people I lived in Maiden, North Carolina. And my zip code is 28666. <laughs> is that really that funny? Anyway, thanks so much to those people for their commissions. And also thanks to Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. I've been a big fan of the Classic Metal Show podcast for years. And about a year ago, we became friends and started talking every now and then, and uh, he got one of my uh, paintings of Lemmy. And recently, he gave me the opportunity to start making videos that will basically advertise for my art website. And it's going to be me talking about the paintings, uh, showing you the process, and so forth. And they're going to play on the CMS network and uh, play before some of the shows on there. And we're also talking about some other things that may happen, but uh, I will tell you about those uh, as they happen. But for now, if you want to listen to and watch some really cool podcasts and shows, uh, check out the CMSPN.com. It's a whole network that has shows about music and metal, and it's got podcasts on there like Skull Sessions with my friend Bob Nalbandian, and of course my fave, The Classic Metal Show. So once again, it's cmspn.com. Check it out, and you might even see me on there once in a while. Oh, good for you! Now, as promised, a segment of weird cover tunes. And the first one is from Lisa LeBlanc, and I'm not sure who she is. I'm guessing possibly a bluegrass or country artist, I don't know. But she sings and plays banjo with a band, and uh, she's done a cover of Ace of Spades. Check it out. Call on me. 
Wasn't that fun? You know, it kind of shows just how great of a song Ace of Spades is when you can play a banjo in it and it still doesn't suck. <laughs> no. All right, this last cover tune really isn't that weird. It's just good. It's by a band called the Draconian Lockdowns. And their singer is a friend of mine named Tracy, and she is the wife of Dane Sonye from the Galactic Cowboys. And she's one of the coolest, most badass chicks on the planet. And when I heard this and saw the video, I asked her if I could play this song on the Rockcast. And she said, yeah, I'd be honored. And so sit back and enjoy the Draconian Lockdowns doing their cover of Unsung by Helmet. Which is one of my favorite songs of all time. And it's without a doubt my favorite riff of all time. And this is a killer version, and I'm sure you're going to love it. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying, take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on.
That's it.